Welcome to a special edition of the Ad Hero Podcast. My name is Gino Giovanni. And I'm Matthew Olivieri. And we are your personal ad heroes. Today we have our first special edition of the Ad Hero Podcast. And your ad heroes are taking this show to the next level. To get to the next level, we are virtually visiting the Entrepreneur Society at our alma mater of San Jose State University. A packed house of 300 students, faculty, and alums will be in attendance as the Ad Hero podcast will have its first ever live audience. We give a big thank you for the coordination of this event to Professor and Director Anuradha Basu of the Lucas College and Graduate School of Business, the Faculty Advisor of the Silicon Valley Center of Entrepreneurship, and the Faculty Advisor of the Ideas Club. But that is not all. The Ad Hero Podcast Guest of the Week is the CEO and co-founder of Break Free Tech, Alex Arkhanglisley. His company produces brake light technology for motorcyclists. Alex's other claim to fame was when him and his business partner were featured on NBC's Shark Tank and won a $200,000 deal with Robert Herjvac and Mark Cuban. But after a short time, the deal was gone. Get ready for a fun ride and learn how Break Free Tech started, how they received funding by some of the world's wealthiest entrepreneurs, and a behind-the-scenes account of Break Free Tech on the set of NBC's Shark Tank. Welcome to the special edition of the Ad Hero Podcast. This is the Ad Hero Podcast. The podcast that reveals marketing tips, trends, and techniques by industry experts, insiders, and influencers. For years, AdSymbol has helped businesses develop and launch campaigns to amplify their message, establish authority, and earn their lion's share of the market. This podcast will help you design and supercharge your plan to make an impact with valuable lessons you can apply in your business today. To get more information or start now, visit adsymbol.com. That's A-D-S-E-M-B-L-E dot com. Let's get started. Now let's get you to the B block, the live Q&A with Alex from Break Free Tech. This was something we recorded live uh, a little while back at uh, San Jose State University. Um, it was a great webinar with about 300 to 500 people something there's a big amount of people watch this thing live so it's really fun to do it's our first live audience first live audience there you go so let's take you to that live q a now and we hope you guys enjoy the shark tank q a with alex from brave free tech good afternoon everyone and welcome to this evening's event uh, my name is anu basu and i'm a professor of entrepreneurship at san jose state university director of our center for entrepreneurship the silicon valley center for entrepreneurship and we hosts uh, host these events in collaboration with the ideas club uh, at san jose state so i'm really delighted to be uh, hosting this session this evening the purpose of our speaker sessions is to inform and inspire our student entrepreneurs and what better way to do that than to invite young alumni entrepreneurs to come and speak to us. And that's what we have this evening. And so we have three alumni entrepreneurs with us this evening. Uh, we have Alex Archangelsky, who is a former student, in fact, a former student of, uh, in my class. 
And he is now the co-founder and CEO of Break Free Technologies. Let me just give you a quick bio of his. He was born in Minsk in Belarus, and uh, then he migrated with his family to Silicon Valley in the 90s, in 1997, to pursue the American dream, as he says. He couldn't speak English at first, but then, like most people, he uh, you know, learned, became absolutely fluent in English. He married his high school sweetheart at the age of 23, and he went to school at San Jose State while working full-time in retail sales. And he you know, that's again very similar to many of our students who work as well as go to school. He completed his degree in business with honors from San Jose State. And in his last semester, he took a business plan class uh, with me. And he says very kindly in his bio that it uh, changed his life. And one of the reasons what happened was that he connected with Dave Haddon, who is an experienced entrepreneur and a mentor. And Dave usually comes to our class every semester. Dave came to speak to us that year. And uh, afterwards, Dave hired uh, Alex as an intern. And they worked together. And together, they co-founded Break Free Technologies. And then uh, Alex also launched Break Free on Indiegogo. And he can talk about that, the crowd, uh, crowdfunding platform. He raised $260,000 from Indiegogo and then uh, to, to build his product and sell his product. And then last year, he also um, uh, participated in Shark Tank and he was along with another SJSU grad, Henry Lee. They, uh, they presented on Shark Tank and that's going to be the focus of our discussion this evening. And Alex is going to be interviewed by two San Jose State alumni Gino Giovanni and Matthew Olivieri, who are the co-hosts of the Ad Hero podcast. And uh, Matthew, in fact, well, both Alex and Matthew participated in the business plan competition, which we have at the end of the semester, and both are winners from the business plan competition. And so, and Matthew started the company that he started when he graduated from San Jose State is the one that he still runs, which is AdSemble. He's a founder and CEO of AdSemble, which is a self-service platform for digital billboard advertising. And uh, uh, so that's what he's doing. And But he also, at the same time, he's co-host of the Ad Hero podcast, along with Gino Giovanni, who is uh, the producer of uh, the Ad Hero podcast and an executive at, at Semple. And Gino is also an alumnus of San Jose State and a longtime resident DJ at KSJS radio station. So yes, Gino sir. and Matthew are going to be interviewing Alex. And then afterwards, in the time remaining, we'll be able to ask some more questions. So if you have any questions, you can include them in the Q&A. There's a Q&A session in the, in the web, uh, webinar. So please do uh, sign in there if you have any questions. And with that, we can get started. Just one more thing I want to say. And speaking of the business plan competition, we do have an information session this week at the end of this week on Friday. And I'll post the link to it before we end this session so that you can sign up in case you're interested in attending. I do hope you attend because we're going to have a, another uh, winner 
participating there as long uh, as well as some judges and sponsors. So with that, I would like to hand over to Matthew and Gino, but we do want to show a short video of uh, Alex's performance at Shark Tank. So Eli, we have, we have two students helping us, Eli and Rutuja. So Eli, can you take it away? of everyone here at the most interested party because I had a younger brother who was crippled when he was run over by a truck from behind and the trucker didn't see his brake lights. Yes. Wow. Okay. So sorry. Yeah. So I should be like grabbing this, okay? But I'm not hearing anything uh, clear or that gives me confidence that you can sell this thing. So because I lack trust in that aspect, which I think is more important than the product, I'm out. I hear that. Uh, I think Alex and I are both great salesmen, and that's why we're here. Yeah. This is, I see as a genius product. I Thank think you. that it is fantastically done. I think it looks terrific. My only worry is um, when products have a liability issue that can go with them, mm -hmm. you know, it's much more challenging. Um, I think it's necessary. I think it's needed. But because it's not all worked out yet, and because there is liability potential, for me, I just feel I need to sit this one out. Sorry, I'm out. Look, I love it. It's brilliant. I I think it's a great idea. But just because it's a great it product doesn't mean it's going to get to market. So I, I think we have all we, the money we need to go to market. And the money we need from you sharks maybe, is to scale, to, but to I tap think into need, that economic of scale. I think you need the expertise to go to market with and that. And that would be great as we well. We are in this space. Yes. We know this here. space. My friends are in this space. One of my best friends owned Harley Canada. We've connected with Ducati. We love to be in dealerships as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, I think you eventually have to go there, but not today. I'll give you 200,000 for 20%. That's my offer. This is gonna be on the back of every helmet out there because there's a passion to riding motorcycles and this gives you that safety. Absolutely. Thank With you style to match it. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna be using it, Henry So, What do you think <laughs> of that offer? I think uh, Mark's been a little quiet. Yeah, look, I mean, Robert obviously is more ingrained in the motorcycle culture, but I can tell you I have a company, Shortstop Guardian Bikes, that has gone online and just crushed it with safety devices for yeah. regular bikes, but it's changing the industry. Right. Guys, I. I think I made you a fair offer today, and this is what I do. I mean, this is, you know, besides cybersecurity, this is what I do. Mark's a great guy. If you want to pursue a different route with him, I'm happy to drop out. But I think I made you a fair offer. Would you guys want to collaborate together? I think the brick and mortar and the online I'm, together. I'm open to it. I only have one condition. When we're riding the bike, Mark has to get on the back and hug me. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Are you this okay? says well, a whole lot more be... about you than it does me, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm open to it. Okay, let's yeah, go. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Nice. All right. Oh, yes. Yes. Congratulations, man. Thank you so much. Great job. Awesome. Thank you. Great job. You got I'm a great work. Thank you. Thank you. This is amazing. Yes. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. Congrats, guys. Good deal. Great presentation. Thank you. This has been our dream. Mark and Robert, That's the, those are the two guys that we wanted. I mean, this is like the, the game plan executed to the T. Like, this is a dream. I, I, I couldn't ask for more.
We lost Gino, audio. There Matthew, over to you. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Professor Basu. Thank you very much. Uh, I just got chills watching that man. That was uh, that was awesome. Oh yeah, it's always a, a good time watching a Shark Tank. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, so real quick, just a procedural thing here to get out of the way. Thank you, Professor Basu. Thanks for inviting us to be a part of this today. We're super excited. Uh, my name is Matthew Olivieri. That's Gino Giovanni. Hello. Uh, this is the Ad Hero Podcast. Uh, you can find it on all major platforms, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Anchor.fm, Apple, uh, Apple, anywhere. Great podcasts are heard. We have a lot of fun on the podcast. Uh, it's a marketing and advertising podcast with a twist. The twist is that we actually cover a whole range of topics, uh, everything from pop culture, movies, comic books, you name it. We kind of throw a little bit of everything in there. So just a little bit, just a little bit. We have a good time. So we're super excited to interview Alex in just a minute here because uh, we all went to school together and I kind of watched his entrepreneurial journey uh, kind of culminate with this great television appearance that he just crushed. Uh, So we're going to learn a lot about that. Uh, But before we jump into that, we want to announce that uh, we came up with a fun little competition, something that to make it more engaging for That's everyone. Right. So uh, anywhere where the Ad Hero podcast can be found, Spotify, iTunes, uh, the different platforms we just mentioned, if you like, subscribe, and leave us a comment, we're going to randomly choose one person to get a $100 Amazon gift card. And if you go onto the Anchor website, you can actually leave us a voicemail. Oh, that, that's, that's like next level game right there. <laughs> that's how easy it is to enter. Just find it anywhere. And on YouTube, we put all the shows on YouTube oh, under yeah. our YouTube channel, which is the company AdSymbol. That's the parent company that's sponsoring all this, paying for everything. Um, so on YouTube, it's under AdSymbol. We have all the episodes there. Um, but Anchor, Spotify, anywhere, like, subscribe, leave a comment. We'll pick one person. And we'll send you over a cool Amazon hundred bucks. Hundo baby. Hundo baby. All right, let's get into it. We got out. By the way, Alex, uh, you don't qualify because you just got 200,000 from the shark. So (laughs) matter of fact, you owe us 10,000. Yeah, actually, uh, we forgot to tell you that that's the fee to be on the podcast today. So this interview part of the process uh, is is live. And then as Professor Basu said, there'll be a QA. and a So anybody watching this right now, if any questions come up, feel free to hop on your uh, Zoom channel there and type out the question. And a new will take it over at the end there and and read off those questions. All right, Alex, uh, you're on the hot seat, buddy. Here we go. Let's go. Right. Let's do this. Let's do this. Okay. Crack those knuckles. So uh, a new gave us a great uh, kind of overview of break free, but we were uh, Gino. Do you want to go take it away with the first question? Yeah, or? sure. Uh, Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, how do you? can see the idea of your product and why did you feel the market was ready for it? Well, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try and keep it concise. Um, this product really started when I was working with Dave Haddon on my, during my internship period with him, he had me working on a few different ideas that he was pursuing, but one of them was this autonomous brake light for cars. He kind of envisioned this like light bar that would go, um, on the back window of a car. And um, what it would do is it just would grab more attention from drivers when you're braking harder than normal, because, you know, um, I think Dave was driving on the freeway and uh, almost, I, I don't remember if he almost rear-ended somebody or almost somebody almost hit him, but um, he felt like, you know, if there was something there to kind of tell the drivers behind you that you're doing something other than regularly slowing down, that would be beneficial. So, Um, he had me kind of, um, doing a lot of market research, um, doing patent research, doing all kinds of things, learning about, uh, product development, that kind of stuff. 
Um, in my research, what we found was that, you know, most car drivers felt really safe in their car. You know, they're in the motorcycle world, we call car drivers cagers. And then that's because you're sitting in a giant cage made of metal and you already have plenty of brake lights. And a lot of uh, car manufacturers are now coming out with modular brake lights that kind of blink every time you hit the brakes. And um, there was a bit of a liability issue as well that we found that, you know, we found out that if you get into a rear end collision, the rear window is usually something that shatters first. And then, then you have a projectile flying through the car. So that was a no-go. Um, being a motorcycle rider myself, uh, I've been commuting to San Jose state on my motorcycle for a number of years. Um, you know, I pitched Dave on the idea of what if we potentially look into the motorcycle market, you know, I've had a fair share of close calls and it would be a lot more beneficial to me as a motorcycle rider to be seen out there on those roads. Um, having some way to be seen extra visibility would be, um, a huge bonus. So we pivoted the idea, um, ended up uh, pursuing the idea for a few months. Then um, our internship was kind of closing. Um, Dave didn't really want to pursue the idea. So I pitched Dave on, a, you know, what if we co-founded this together? What if I put together a business plan and try to compete at San Jose State Business Plan Competition to see if the ideas got legs? Just maybe there's a little bit of money that we could win. So we decided to do that. And then we uh, ended up taking second place in the uh, San Jose State Business Plan competition. We got the best written business plan award mm -hmm. and that kind of, that's how it started. So um, we've done a ton of research. We've done a lot of interviewing of industry professionals, people um, at retail level, um, gone to a few trade shows. So we've done a lot of research to validate the fact that, you know, this is an actual pain point for a lot of writers. This is something that would be needed. So that gave us a lot of confidence in going forward. Next question. Okay. <clears throat> well, when did you first learn about the casting opportunity for Shark Tank? Well, um, one of my friends, um, it was right after CES in 2019. Um, she told me, that, you know, I went to a casting call for Shark Tank and there's a huge line out there and um, it, there's casting calls all over the country for the show. Um, you know, it was kind of a wild chance of an idea, but at the time I was thinking, you know, what, what's, um, what's the risk? You know, I, I, I can just go out and apply for one. So I ended up signing up for one that was going to be in Nebraska in Lincoln, Nebraska. I currently live in Denver, Colorado. So for me, it was an eight hour drive to get out there and give my one minute little quick pitch to their um, casting members. And you don't really hear anything after that. So that's essentially how I found out about it. Um, connected to that, that's kind of our next question is the application casting process. So you, you go out there and it's a one minute pitch to, is it to a room full of people, a single person, something like that? Well, um, so there's everybody that's, that wants to try and pitch their idea. They had to apply, um, for the show. And then when you show up there, so you're already kind of on a list, um, they pull you in in groups, I believe. And, um, you know, one at a time you get to go up to a booth with a lady just kind of sitting there looking at you and then you give her your one minute pitch and they kind of give you a heads up telling you, you know, you're not going to get much reaction from the person. So don't take it as a yes or a no, but, um, they, they call it the resting pitch face. 
that they give you. <laughs> so um, definitely got that. So I, I wasn't really sure whether or not I was going to get a call back. So that's, that's how it went. So eight an eight hour drive to get the resting pitch face and then eight hours back. Yep. It was fun. It was a good time. <laughs> I was practicing my pitch the entire drive there and there on the way go. back, I was just audio booking it all the way home. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, okay. And uh, uh, well, what we see on TV now, is that, really how it goes or is it like a lot more to it or is it like a lot less tell us like what happens behind the scenes when you're on behind the scenes well when you're on stage i'm not sure exactly how much of the behind the scenes stuff i could say but there's a lot more um it is a few days process while you're out there um let's see well my, my bad actually uh, in this logical question is so the the one minute uh, one minute pitch, you drive all the way back. Uh, was it six months, eight months till you heard that? Okay. We actually want you to go to the next phase now. Was there a couple phases before you go out to LA for the taping? We kind of jumped over that part, but I'm realizing that's kind of critical. <laughs> part of the yeah, story. no, absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely a lot more than just going out and giving a one minute pitch and then boom, you're on shark tank. It was, it, it was a very, um, uh, drawn out process, I would say there's, there's a few steps. Um, they sent us an email, told us that, you know, we like what we heard at the, um, at the casting call, we'd like to see a video. Um, they, um, you know, have you answer a bunch of, uh, business related questions on video and they want to see how you appear on the camera, um, whether or not your business is that appealing. They do a lot more research into your business. So essentially you're, over time, you're submitting your entire business plan to them. So they know pretty much everything ahead of time. Um, wow. Not the sharks, the the casting folks. And then they make the decision who they want to pick and, and at what time they want you to be there. It's almost so, like it's almost like 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 angel investors or something like that, like having one of their uh, interns like pre-vet you out maybe before you get into a venture capital meeting or something like that, kind of like a pre-screen process of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. They, they want you to succeed out there and they want to put out products that, you know, sharks would want to potentially hear about. I mean, it is a show, so there's definitely the entertainment factor for sure, but they want to make sure that that's the ideas that they put out there definitely have, uh, have a potential of getting an investment. That's interesting because he has a great business mm -hmm. and a great product, but the, once in a while you see someone on there selling snake oil. I was just going to say that. <laughs> It's so it's interesting to me. Thank you, Gino. I I feel exactly the same way. Like when you say that to me, and how many steps somebody had to go through, some of these pitches that you see on the program are like, well, now how the hell did that person make the screening process? Right. Right. So what 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 would your thoughts be on that? I'm not sure. You know, I'm not the producers, <laughs> so it's hard to say exactly what. Well, you did say the entertainment value. Yeah, the entertainment definitely has to be there. Yeah. So you know, it's a TV show after all. So they have to know, get some. To be entertaining. They have to get some legitimate businesses, and then some businesses are just too far out. Right. Right. I suppose. Okay. So so you go through all these steps. So now they finally tell you, okay, we want you, you and your partner. It was your business partner. Was it Eric? Is that correct? Henry. Henry. Excuse me. They want you and Henry to, to actually be on one of the taping of the shows. Uh, what happens next? You guys just book some airline tickets and head out, head out West or what, what's, what's the deal? Something like that. Yeah. We, um, we got flown out there. Um, before that we had to kind of pitch them an idea of what we wanted to have as our set, how we wanted things to look, you know, so a lot of planning goes on behind the scenes. 
Um, but yeah, once you get out there, uh, you know, I can't really get into a ton of detail in terms of how everything works out there, but it's, it's a couple of days process while you're out there for sure. Okay. Fair enough. And uh, disclosure for everybody, that is because um, Alex uh, or, or anybody that goes on the show has to sign an NDA. And so there's certain things that even in the Q&A session, if questions get asked, Alex has to be just very transparent that he can't answer that so that he's not in violation of the NDA. And we, we respect that and we appreciate what he can share with us. Absolutely. Um, okay. So, so your, uh, your, how was your nerves? You're on the set. It's the day of the show. It's the taping of the show. It looks like they have like, I don't know, 10 or 15 pitches on every single episode. seems like that at least. Did you throw up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. 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 I did not what, throw up. What thankfully. were the nerves like, like when you're waiting for your turn to walk down the, that, that hallway, that famous uh, iconic hallway with, with, where they play the dun, 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 dun music. <laughs> well, you don't hear the music when you're walking. But, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Okay. but we were out there on the set from 7 a.m. And our pitch was at about 11. So we... Ooh, that's a long time. Yeah, so it was, it was quite a wait for sure. So the nerves were pretty high. I was sitting in our little trailer just meditating for like probably over an hour. I was just you trying to trailer. calm down. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm a movie star. So it's, yeah. oh, that's cool. So it's not in like an office building or anything like that. No, no. Okay. All right. No, yeah, what, what, what is the set? What is the studio? Is that Sony Studios or yeah. Paramount? Paramount? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, Sony. Okay. Um, cool. So, okay. So, yeah, four hour wait time at least. That's, that's intense, man. How yeah. was Henry doing? How was he holding up? Oh, we're just both kind of just trying to stay in the zone and, you know, not lose our cool. You know, we're just kind of talking through some stuff, looking over our notes the day before. We're just looking at our numbers, making sure that when they're asking us all the tough questions with all those cameras pointed at you, you know, that we've, we've got it down. So it was uh, it was a bit of like just kind of talking through the game plan a little bit, then looking through the numbers, making sure that we know what we're talking about. And then after that, just kind of just trying to relax and, and really not let the nerves get ahead of you. Was there any, is there any part of your business up to this point that you were like, oh man, I hope they don't grill us on that aspect of the business, whether it's logistics, product, you know, how much inventory you have. I mean, was there anything there that you're like, oh man, if they ask us about that, it's going to look, it's going to look really bad on camera. Mm. Well, I mean, there's, there's always those kind of doubts and worries that you've got. Um, mm. For us, it was really like we, um, when we were recording this, this was in 2019. So that was prior to us fulfilling all of our orders. And then there was before, you know, so for us, we were wondering how they would interpret the fact that we were a crowdfunded company that still hasn't fulfilled all the orders. So we really tried to um, have those answers ready. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Gina, how about number six? Question number <clears throat> six there. Okay. Well, it says here, like, uh, which which sharks that you want to strike a deal with? Now, I think according to the video, that was Mark and uh, Robert. Robert. I always, I always want to say like Rich or something. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to kind of flip the, the question just a little bit. You don't have to say who it was, but were, were there any sharks or, or a particular shark you did not want to work with just in case? Hmm. I would, we wouldn't turn down an offer from any of the sharks. Oh, okay. I mean, they, they obviously all have their value They They have huge reach. They have a lot of things that they can help you with. And, um, you know, so we, we definitely wouldn't have turned down a deal, um, 
from anybody on the panel. So because they always make it look like Kevin is like the enemy or, or, or like the villain, <laughs> right, right. you know, like, oh, if you strike a deal with him, you're going to lose everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's a great yeah, businessman. He's a great businessman. Right. I, I wouldn't he's, turn he's, down he's, a deal with Kevin. Right. right. Yeah. Very, very sharp, very savvy. I think they, I, they purposely portray him as very shrewd. Yeah. And cut through. And he does right? that thing with his hands. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to, to Gino's point, though, and I, it's, I love that you changed up the question there, Gigi. Um, to Gino's point, did you, did you guys have kind of like an internal pecking order of who you really wanted to do a deal with? Well, I think for us, Robert was really the, the main like number one, I would say just because, um, Robert's already kind of in the motorcycle industry. He races Ducatis, he's race cars. So he's definitely very passionate in that area. So we felt like, um, getting Robert would be fantastic. We thought that he would have the connections necessary. And as he mentioned on the show, you know, he's connected to all kinds of dealers and all kinds of other stuff. So, um, yeah, uh, Robert was, I would say number one, um, I would say Mark Cuban or Lori were number two for us. Um, you know, they both have huge platforms. They, they both have connections with, you know, um, Mark's solid with Amazon and all those other marketplaces. Lori would also blow up our product as well. So, you know, it's, um, yeah. So I would say that's, that's like one, two, three there. Yeah. They always say she has like QVC. Connections. Right. Yeah. Were you guys thinking that maybe your product ends up on QVC if, if Lori was the shark that picked you guys? Yeah. I mean, that would be awesome. Our product is really visual. It's something that you, it kind of grabs your attention. It's easy to explain once you can see it and how bright it is, how, how it works that, you right. know, you don't need to hook up anything to motorcycles, nothing like that. It's really simple. So um, in terms of a demo, I think QVC would be amazing. So yeah, I mean, that was, that was kind of the hope. Okay. And I didn't hear you say Barbara at all on that list. So I'm <laughs> going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you on that one. Was that, is there just something about Barbara now like, we know the truth. rubbing you guys the wrong way, or you didn't think she'd really get it or cause she made that comment of saying like her own, was it her brother-in-law or something was in an accident? I mean, I would yeah, think we actually based on that, that comment, I would say based on that comment alone, I would think she'd be the first one right? that want to participate in this deal. Right. Well, we didn't really think that that was a good fit for her. So, you know, obviously we wouldn't say no to Barbara as well. You know, if that was our, <laughs> that was our only option, we would consider it for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to us, it seemed like Barbara would not be super interested in what we're doing and I got motorcycles and safety, stuff like that. Cool. And then Kevin, the last one. Oh, well, Kevin yeah, would have been awesome. Say, I yeah, mean, he's Kevin. really hands-on. I mean, he, he does a lot of promoting for other products. Like if you guys have seen his YouTube channel, he's, he's got a huge presence and he does a lot of, you know, like hands-on demos for his company. So Kevin would have been amazing too. I actually might argue that Kevin is probably the most marketable shark, meaning like he's the most, I see him on CNBC constantly. Like yeah. you said, his YouTube channel, his Instagram, something like well, that. Apparently he's, he's a licensing King. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very big on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Great, great, very savvy marketer. Um, real quick on the set design. Cause you have a picture behind you here. That was the actual set. Uh, as everybody saw in the video now you have a motorcycle in that set and so but earlier you said you guys flew out to LA so did you buy a motorcycle when you got there just to roll it out on the set tell tell us how that happened oh man that was really lucky of us Um, the producer had a friend who he saw at the parking garage who was riding that bike that you saw on the show 
And um, originally we were going to use the producer's bike because he had, a, I believe, a Norton. Um, but it wasn't exactly like the perfect bike to kind of um, portray our product. You know, a lot of our customers kind of like these um, flashier, sportier bikes like the Ducati, BMW, stuff like yeah. that. So <clears throat> we actually lucked out. Um, the producer called us and he was like, hey, my friend has this beautiful Ducati. I think that that would be a fantastic product or fantastic uh, bike to have on the set. What do you guys think? We were like, hell yes, we'll do this. Let's do that. So we that was really cool. Um, it's got some cool like little underglow lights that are like really that. tastefully oh, yeah, done. Yeah. So that, it yeah. was really nicely kind of lit up and it drew the attention to the product sitting on the bike. Oh man, that was like that. Talk about how perfect that is, right? That's That's really cool. Um, yeah. how that, how that just worked out for you guys. And the editing is something else, right? So when we watch the show at home, uh, I think Gino asked this a little bit earlier, like what might get trimmed or what might get cut. But, you know, I think for your episode, when I remember watching the whole thing, like you guys kind of lucked out on the editing department because they, they, the way they show it and the way they edited it, it you guys look perfect. I mean, you, you fielded every tough question didn't really get grilled on too many curveballs that I observed, right? Uh, seemed like, like, and, and then the way you executed asking if Robert would go in on the deal with Mark also was very smooth how they, how they show that. Yeah. So was it, was there a little bit more to that, that we didn't get to see that particular part of the negotiation or, uh, cause I I've read online that some of these pitches are like two hours long but they trim it down to like 10 minutes is what you actually see on the, on the show itself. So was there a little bit more to that negotiation, how you came to that conclusion about getting Robert to partner up with Mark, if you can share that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, on that part. Yeah. Our pitch was probably about 40, 45 minutes. It felt like forever. We're out wow, there. So 45 <laughs> minutes long. So yeah, it's definitely, it wasn't, it wasn't a short pitch by any means. Um, I think the longest one in history is about an hour and a half or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's a long time to be out there. It's um, yeah, they okay. uh, did definitely cut some stuff out. We were wondering how the episode would turn out. There was actually a scene where Robert jumps on the bike and tries on the helmet and he's just all giddy and excited. We thought for sure that that was going to make the show, but we didn't see that. So that was kind of ooh. Ooh, a little un- behind the scenes, guys. A little but, behind uh, the scenes, deleted, <laughs> deleted scene, a little insight right there. That's yeah, there cool. There you go. That's cool. All right. Very cool. All right, Gene, what do you, uh, you want to hit number eight? Yeah. Um, so what happens after you leave the show? I mean, is there like a debriefing? Uh, perhaps you go out to drinks with like the sharks. What happens? Well, we didn't go out to drinks with sharks and <laughs> there's not a whole, it, it's kind of unceremonious. You just pack up your stuff and get on the plane. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, did 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 at least you and Henry go out and have a drink? I mean, oh, you yeah. did sign yeah, the deal sure. with the sharks and for you sure. know, feeling really good about everything. So you guys oh, yeah. went out and celebrated. God bless there. Right? But there's but there's not really like any uh, immediate kind of communication with with them or anything else. It's kind of like cool. We got this. Like let's go celebrate. Well, we got in touch with the um, business analysts from both sides. They dropped off their business cards for us to contact them and told them, told us that they would be in touch right afterwards. And, um, yeah, pretty much afterwards we went out, um, I think we went rock climbing or something like that with Henry. He's really big into rock climbing. We met up with one of his friends that's live, lives in LA, went out to a really great dinner. Um, definitely celebrating. I was calling home, uh, you know, like how good my was wife. that dinner? <laughs> What's that? You, after getting $200,000, how good was that dinner? Was that the it best was, dinner you ever had? 
It was pretty good. It was really yeah, good. it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, so, okay. So within the confines of what you're allowed to say, could you, could you maybe describe for the viewers what happens in the weeks or months after the show tapes and you've made this like a uh, deal, you know, what, you know, again, with, with what you're comfortable to share, what you're allowed to share, what, what kind of takes place in the weeks and months afterwards? Well, you know, it's, um, we get contacted by the business analysts from both sides. We, um, they sent over a huge packet of information that they wanted. Um, they started their due diligence process. Um, we responded to all their questions, sent that back, and we were just sitting there waiting essentially for them for a few months. Okay. Uh, so there's like this process of like, like you said, due diligence. So now it's like, they're, they're really, okay, this is something that the, the sharks want to do. Let's really look under the hood. Uh, let's see what's going on here. And, and so it's kind of a little bit of a waiting game. Now does the shit, does the show, but the show might not air for what, six months, a year. Can you, could you describe like what, from the time you tape, like, what is that lead time to when the show actually comes on the television? Um, well, it really depends. Um, some of the folks that we pitched with their episode aired a lot sooner. Um, some of the stuff was kind of Christmas related. So, you know, they, they want to kind of air it in a spot where it makes the most sense. So, you know, like holiday related products get aired around holiday time. And, um, for us, you know, we were thinking that it's probably going to be, um, the following year. So 2020, Hmm. Yeah. So it really depends. They, they you're kind kept of, in, you're kept in the dark. You don't really, they don't really communicate when it's going to air or something like that. Is that correct? No. Yeah. You get, you get a heads up of maybe two, three weeks before your show airs to let you know that, Hey, you know, your episode's going to be on the air. It's such and such date. Um, no guarantees, but this is what's going to happen. So two to three weeks. I mean, Gino, if we had at ad symbol, if we had two to three weeks and they're going to put us on, I mean, I would think we would need to mount up a huge, server presence for website traffic there's gonna be a lot of hoopla there's gonna be a lot of crazy just in case uh probably pr i mean did you guys was that enough time for you guys to get your website ready for like the inevitable like onslaught of like millions of website hits well yeah um so i had to double check with a couple of my friends that um are techier than i am um you know (laughs) shopify is our um, platform that we're using for e-commerce and what I learned is that they scale with demand. So, you know, it wouldn't be an issue of how many people are visiting your website. It most likely wouldn't crash. So that, that felt good. We um, had to wait a little while to get um, approval for what we wanted to do for a press release. We wanted to kind of send a press release out to the industry, to the motorcycle industry and um, allow them the chance to kind of also watch the show and promote um a motorcycle industry product that's appearing on shark tank. There hasn't been that many at all. I think there's probably, we're probably the only one within the last five years. So um, we wanted that to become a bigger deal. So that way, you know, if there's any distributors, anybody that might want to partner up with us, anybody that's interested in this product that, you know, they would have that opportunity to see us on, on TV and reach out. Uh, Real quick, uh, talk about the equity uh, there. I'm a, if I'm a student and I'm listening to you yeah. and I'm like, okay, well, I have a business idea. Hmm. I have maybe a, a crew. I have the marketing or whatever. I have everything. Right. But I do need the capital or I need some kind of like funding. So 
what was the process that you took to be like, okay, I need 200,000 or th- in order for this company to take off, we need $200,000. And I'm only willing to uh, give about 10% equity or maybe, or, or was that kind of like a starting point and you're willing to like budge the equity more? Well, I mean, that was kind of part of the game plan, right? So we opened with 200,000 for 10% of the company, which values the company at $2 million. That was one of the things that also didn't make it on the show is the whole back and forth um, between, you know, why is our company worth $2 million versus, you know, uh, what they wanted to offer. Um, So yeah, that was kind of the opening kind of, we would love to have that deal, but we would be, we knew that it was going to be something higher if if there was going to be a deal indeed. So, so in your mind, you and Henry had already kind of come to terms, kind of like playing chess. Yeah. You know, we're going to start here, but we're comfortable going all the way to 20, was it 20% was what they showed on the scene? That was the counter. Yep. Okay. And, and, but if he had thrown out like a crazy number, like 40% plus a royalty perpet, you know, perpetual royalty, mm-hmm. that would have been something you guys would have turned down at that point, something like that. Well, I think a royalty deal was discussed, but we weren't really sure how we felt about that one. So it was going to be a game time decision for that. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I think we we thought that, you know, the most we would give up is like up to 30%. Like that would be the absolute ceiling for what we would entertain. So mm. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So the last question we have here, because we, we want to save some time for um, a new to come on with, uh, we see there's a bunch of questions uh, coming in. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for your participation and, um, get those questions in a new, we'll be randomly picking them here for Alex. Last question that we have for you today is the night that the show aired. Cause there's obviously like the East coast feed and then West coast, etc. Right. The day or the night that it aired, how much, uh, web traffic did you guys get? I mean, if you can disclose whatever you feel comfortable disclosing, how much web traffic did you get? How much sales did that convert into? And um, was there an ongoing residual kind of effect as well? Like in subsequent days, weeks, months, you know, maybe people going back, watching it on streaming or something like that. You know, uh, can you, can you speak to some of those metrics? I think that's really the fascinating. I I think I've read, I think I've read that they call that like the shark tank effect, right? So just your pure presence on the show your brand and people knowing they can go online and buy the product. Like what did that look like for you guys? Right. Well, so when the show aired, I had my laptop set up with my um, Shopify, like analytics pulled up and everything. So I bet that was fun. (laughs) Yeah. I actually have a pretty cool little clip that I was, I was just doing like a time-lapse just to see what happens over time. And it was absolutely nuts. Like it was thousands of people. You would see like the entire Eastern board just lit up you know, everywhere. And it was just like, Oh my God, you know, there's so many people on our website. And then the orders were just coming in, coming in. Like, I think we ended the first day at like $75,000 that we sold. I think the following day we sold like $80,000 just because, you know, not everybody had, it doesn't air on Hulu until later on as well. So, you know, that first week, I think we sold out of everything we had in stock. That was one of those things that, you know, like two to three weeks is really not enough time to prepare when you get that green light, you know, you're just like, okay, well, I guess this is how much inventory I have because there's no way that China is going to produce all of our products and ship it over here in time for us to fulfill. So (laughs) that was one of the, one of the challenges we had is that we had, um, 
I want to say we only had like 800 units in stock, but then we had another thousand sitting on a ship. And during COVID, there was so many slowdowns and so many delays that that was thousand units that were already in LA being offloaded off of a container ship. It took us two weeks for it to get to the warehouse that's also in LA. So it was kind of two ridiculous. Weeks. So yeah, there was quite a few hiccups city. that happened. Wow. We sold out of products, you know, the the first night, I believe. And then we had to then switch our website over to pre, pre-order and um, take pre-orders for those units that were being um, inbounded into our warehouse so we can ship those out. So it, I think our sales could have been higher, but because we were a little limited on inventory, we also had a little bit of a hiccup when... Um, we sold out of product and I've updated everything on the website except for the confirmation um, email that tells you that your order is going to get shipped within two to four days. Ooh. Um, so yeah, so that took a little while. So we so had that's a, like some conflicting communication there to these people that are signing up, right? Yeah, exactly. So on our website, it said like, you know, um, product is going to ship one to two weeks and we had like banners, all this stuff everywhere. But even though that was the case, you know, the, the confirmation email created a lot of um, customers that were a little confused about why their stuff isn't shipping after the two days. Oh my So goodness. I was super lucky. We actually um, hired a support person to join our team two weeks before Shark Tank aired. And he literally, I think, saved so much time for me because there was probably thousands of emails within the first couple of days that were flooding in. So wow. yeah, huge, yeah, huge. Shout good out to my good emails Scott. or bad emails? Um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a combination of everything. A lot of people um, were saying, you know, saw you on Shark Tank, amazing product, can't wait to get mine, you know, I'm telling everybody about it. I'm buying it for Christmas. So that was another hiccup as well is because it, it aired on December 11th. And with the delay of two weeks, you know, most people, that ordered after the first night, they ended up having to wait, you know, a little bit longer. Their, their stuff was getting there a little later. So we had to do a lot of work to kind of smooth things over, but at the end, everything worked out pretty good. Nice. Real quick. Is, is your product becoming like a, not just a necessity, but you have to have it on your helmet when you're writing like by mm-hmm. law, is that coming into play sometime in the next five, 10 years or what? You know, that would be amazing, but, you know, helmet law is not even a thing in a lot of states, you know, like I live now in Colorado, I moved from California where there's mandatory helmet law Um, in Colorado. I think after you're 18, you can not wear a helmet if you don't want to. So, you know, if, if they're having that hard of a time making helmets mandatory, I think break free has got a while to wait, but it is catching yeah. on. It is a very visual product. So a lot of people are asking questions when they see other people riding with brake free on their helmet. So I'm hoping that people that do believe in safety and the fact that helmets can save your life, you know, um, they're going to be seeing a lot more brake free out there. So, yeah, well, it's a, it's a fantastic product. Uh, I, I'm a motorcycle rider, as you know, cause we, you and I've gone out riding before and gotten some coffee and when this right. thing was getting started. So uh, uh, I, I support it. I love it. And, uh, I think it's so cool that a San Jose state alum made it all the way on shark tank and got a deal. And man, those metrics from the night that it, uh, that it, the, air, the episode aired, that's insane, man. That, I mean, that by itself is like a huge victory right then and there. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. so that's, that's pretty uh, incredible story. 
thank you so much for sharing your journey with us about how all of that came to be. Um, and I think with that, we want to kick it back over to Anu um, and let her field some of the uh, Q&A. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, guys. Thank it's you. Thank you, Matthew and Gino. Wow, what an amazing story. Uh, so we have, we have lots of questions. And of course, Alex, I'm so proud of you. Have to say that. Uh, absolutely true. So we have a number of questions. There are some questions around, several questions around your experience on Shark Tank, and then some questions about the Indiegogo campaign, and then some more general questions, some of which Matthew uh, could also answer. So let's start with the Shark Tank questions. And sure. uh, the questions are, Tristan asks, were you able to talk to other contestants on the show before your pitch? Uh, did you get a chance to speak to anybody? Yeah, we're all staying on in the same hotel. So we did get a chance to kind of chat up a few folks that are going to be pitching around the same time. Mm -hmm. um, also, when we were on set the day that we were pitching, you know, they, they bring you to the set and then there's all that time to kind of just hang out. Mm -hmm. um, so they do kind of a, they take you to the studio, they show you, okay, you're going to be over here. Your setup is going to be over there. Does it look okay? You know, there's cameras here, 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 here. Um, so you kind of get a little tour of where you're going to be. Um, mm -hmm. And then after that, they take you back and then you just have a little bit of time to chat to folks. So yeah, we've, we've made some friends. We're still staying in touch with a couple of them. Mm -hmm. That's great. And uh, Jen asks, was there a moment when you experienced, when you felt less confident, was there some question that you hadn't anticipated uh, oh, that yeah. you were asked that made you feel less confident than you'd planned? Yeah, there was... <laughs> I thought that this was going to be for sure on the episode. And I was kind of a really kind of like, I was just stuck staring at Henry um, looking for any kind of a lifeline to like bail me out on it. So the, um, the question was, um, you know, have you taken any investments um, recently? And we literally uh, took $20,000 from uh, an, an investor um, a week before the show. And we just gave them a small, small percentage of the company, but the valuation of that investment was at a million dollars. And then, so Robert asked us, so why is this, you know, not so known investor worth twice as much as what you're offering to us? And so I was just like deer in headlights staring at Henry. And then Barbara said something like, don't look at him, look at Robert, answer his question. And then, <laughs> so yeah, that was definitely, uh, that shook me a little bit, but you know, we recovered. I mean, our, our brand's been always just kind of be as transparent as, and as truthful as possible. And so just told them the truth, you know, we wanted to be on the show and we wanted to tell you that we have all the funding that we need to fulfill all of our um, Indiegogo campaign uh, pre-orders and send those out. So what we need your money for is to invest in inventory and to grow the business going forward. We don't want you to pay for our pre-orders. We want you to help us grow in the future. So, I mean, that, that got us out. And I think they said this, like, that's the most honest answer I've ever heard. And you guys must be like, yeah, so. That's great. Yeah. And so what, and Max asks, what was the greatest benefit of being on Shark Tank? Was it gaining, you know, yeah, was it getting Mark and, and Robert as partners or the overall exposure from being on the show, the number of orders you got? What would you say is the main benefit? Well, um, this is something that we didn't get into on the questions from um, 
Matthew, um, uh, we, uh, the deal actually never closed. So we never got an investment from the sharks. They decided to go, um, our separate ways essentially in February of 2020. And so we don't have Mark or Robert as investors at this time. So right now, the best thing that could have happened to us is the airtime on television and the exposure that we've gotten and um, all the publicity that we received. It gives us a lot of credibility. So are they likely to invest? Do you know whether... Um, I'm not sure. Um, we reached out to to their team uh, a couple of weeks before the show uh, airing, and um, they told us, um, "Great job on all your progress. Really happy to hear that you're successful, and um, we're you know the answer still stands, but do keep in touch." So you know, there's yeah. there's a possibility, but um, as of right now, it's it's kind of an unknown. Hmm. Okay. Well. And and Dave, uh, so we can talk about that further. But Dave asked, "Are Dave?" I was asking, <laughs> "What Hi, advice? What advice would you give to anyone wanting to be on Shark Tank?" And that kind of also goes back to the, your last answer. Hmm. I would say you got to pick a time when it makes sense for your business. Like you don't want to get on there too early with you know just an idea and maybe um, maybe just crowdfunding. Um, money, you know, you, you want to have a product that's pretty much ready to go. They, it, in my research, from what I've seen studying before we got on the show, I think I've watched, I don't know, five seasons straight getting ready for the show. Um, it seemed like companies that were a little too early or asking evaluation that they couldn't justify um, with either sales, pre-sales or, you know, potential market size, they, they, they hate the answer of like, well, you know, the motorcycle industry is this big. And if we only got 1% of that industry, then we would be millionaires. That's not an answer that they want to hear. So, you know, you, you definitely want to have something more substantial to back up why you're there and what you need your investment for. They tend to go for, um, and this is just my, my thinking here, and this isn't their opinion or anything, but um, they tend to go for products that are, you know, just need more of a push to get out there, to get the publicity. They're not going to sit and hold your hand as you're developing your product. Hmm. So, I mean, but they did say that they would invest, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they go ahead. They actually do that later. Is it they review their. Not in every case. I, you know, we were a little surprised with how things played out. Just because, as I mentioned, you know, we, the pitch was 40 minutes long and we had pretty much all the questions around our finances, the number of sales that we've made, how much money we've raised, um, what um, trademarks, patents, whatever we have, all that stuff. So we already sent that to the producers. We've already, um, you know, stated as much on the show to the sharks and then the deal was still, um, made so to us it was a bit of a surprise that they decided to not go for it so yeah mm -hmm. um well we can talk about that more if you know uh, given based on the time but mm -hmm. there are some questions about the your crowdfunding campaign as well sure and so sure. Um, what was your experience there? So the question is samir asks that um uh, would you say this is a good time to try and Oh, sorry. That's also about the show. Okay. How was your crowdfunding experience? Yeah. And how fast did you get funded? 
Well, um, we launched our crowdfunding campaign in March of 2017. Mm-hmm. And um, we ran it for 60 days and then left the campaign open after we met our goal. So our goal was $50,000. And um, we reached that, I believe, in 20 days or something like that. So we, we hit our goal, but our internal goal was a lot higher. We, we definitely didn't want to settle for just 50 because $50,000 is not enough to develop a hardware product like ours. So, right. um, yeah, the experience was great. You know, it's, um, it requires a lot of preparation. Um, it was really stressful for me because I'm not one to want to just be on camera, want to be out in public and promoting and pitching my products. You know, that's my job as a CEO of this company, but that's just not my nature necessarily. Like if you go to my Facebook page, you probably see a post every month or something, maybe every couple of weeks, you know, so I'm not um, huge about that. So I, I was really stressed out about, you know, doing the video, doing the preparation, doing all the marketing that you have to do ahead of time because it's not like you just launch the product on indiegogo with a video and then all of a sudden you just get thousands of dollars in sales there's a lot of work that goes into it behind the scenes before way before you launch so um, to anybody that's thinking about launching a product on a crowdfunding site i would say you know don't launch until you're ready and do as much preparation work before you actually launch at you know as much as you can you know there's if you have to push your launch date, then push your launch date. Don't launch until you're ready because right now the people's attention is so saturated with so many things that you, you have to, um, the way that Indiegogo also kind of promotes your product as well is it, it's kind of a algorithm. I don't know the exact workings of it, but from my understanding back in 2017 was that if you're able to hit about 30% of your goal within a week, then the algorithm at Indiegogo continues to put your campaign further and further up on the um, search where you, your campaign is a lot more likely to get discovered. And um, they also say, you know, maybe Indiegogo is going to bring about 20 to 30% of what you're trying to raise. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to provide you all the funding. A lot of it has to come from your efforts, from your PR efforts, from building a mailing list, building that presence, getting the hype about the product coming out soon. So, you know, that's that all that work is on you. That's not on Indiegogo. Right. Okay. The number of, uh, number of great questions here. Uh, one is that what social crystal asks, what social media media platforms helped you the most aside from Indiegogo with marketing? Hmm. Well, right now we're getting a lot of traffic from YouTube. Our -hmm. product is um, very visual um, and we've gotten it into the hands of some really good um, uh, industry influencers that have reviewed our product, did um, rides with our products, did unboxings and things like that. So those live on YouTube forever. And, you know, people that want to buy a product that they saw an ad for on Facebook, they will probably go and try and do some basic research, see if, you know, what are other people thinking about your products? And if there's kind of a lot of different feedback available, that's, you know, video, I think that that's probably gives you the most credibility. Um, For us, we're currently just running ads on Instagram and Facebook, um, but we're looking into expanding into YouTube pretty heavily in in this coming year, just because we see probably 60% of our 
traffic coming from YouTube, even though we're not advertising there yet. Mm -hmm. And how did you market the product initially? Asks Trong. Um, initially being like before Indiegogo? Yeah, before Indiegogo, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, we've done some podcasts to promote uh, to, to promote the product. Um, we were working with a uh, local podcast um, that was based in Santa Cruz, but they had a really strong following there. Um, they, they had us on the show. They, they also did some video as well for us. Um, we had a mailing list that we were building. We had a landing page where um, we were um, kind of funneling folks to go to and sign up for the mailing list. So that way, when we're getting closer to the launch date, we could say, you know, it's, it's happening in so many days, get ready. Um, we had, I'm yeah, sorry. that's exactly Jasmine's question. How big was your mailing list before launching on Indiegogo? It wasn't huge, which was kind of a concern. So um, I think Indiegogo suggests that like only about 10% of your mailing list will purchase right away. So, you know, you kind of have to look at that and then look at your goal and then look at, um, okay, so if I want to hit 30% by this time, you know, how many people should I have on my mailing list? But it's not just the mailing list itself. It's the quality of the people that are already on your mailing list. So, you you know, if, you know, you got your mom on there, maybe she'll buy one. But, um, you know, if you, you want people that are interested in your product ahead of time. So we've done, um, I think through the podcast, uh, a few podcasts that we've done prior to launch mm -hmm. that kind of, uh, gave us some, um, hype credibility, whatever you want to call that. Um, we also were, um, connected with a lot of local writing groups as well. So we had their support. Um, we, have one of the mentors of ours. Um, he's like the president of the Ducati owners club of North America. So he was, I'm sorry, maybe, maybe it's just California, but either way, there's thousands of people in their group. So, you know, it was kind of really targeted. And then we also focused a lot on PR as well. So we tried to line up at least, I think our goal was 10 articles uh, within that first week that we're launching to show up. I mean, you'll get some organically, but you definitely want to have a few people uh, you might want to, if there's like a big publication that you really want, you can maybe offer them an exclusive so that, you know, you kind of put all your eggs into the one basket at first mm -hmm. um, to kind of break the news um, or just kind of go for the shotgun approach and just go and try and get your product out there. It really depends on the product. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Alexandra asks, have you considered working with motorcycle safety lobbyists? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, right now, I think we're uh, pushing for Motorcycle Safety Foundation and the, um, the riding schools where people learn how to ride for the first time. You know, you have to pass a riding test and then a written test to get your license. But most people go through these writing schools and they're super busy right now. We've actually had a few of them reach out to us after Shark Tank aired. And um, we discovered that to be an amazing opportunity because you're essentially getting somebody that's pretty new to writing. They're probably worried about a lot of different things. And then uh, instructors happen to love our product as well. So a lot of our customers are like MSF instructors or people that are pretty Im embedded in the industry. So when you get somebody that credible kind of giving you a suggestion like, Hey, you might want to get this thing and we'll save your life potentially, you know, that's, that's a huge benefit for us. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we definitely like to work with uh, more lobbyists as well. Right. 
Okay, lots of interesting questions. So I have to pick, but there's an anonymous attendee who's asking a question that uh, intrigues me as well. How did you meet, how did you find Harry, Henry? Um, ah, um, Henry was a- members, But Henry wasn't in the class or in your project before. So I'm interested as well. So how no. did you meet or find Henry and other early team members who are willing to participate and start working in the project? Gotcha. Um, that's a really good question. I mean, it's a lot of it's kind of um, luck mixed with persistence. So um, my industrial designer, my initial co-founder, uh, the person that I pitched uh, the San Jose State business plan competition with, um, I met him at a motorcycle dealership. He was working locally in the Bay Area and I was just doing my rounds, going to different motorcycle dealerships, trying to talk to customers, trying to talk to folks that sell motorcycles to see, um, to kind of gauge, you know, the demand for this kind of idea, how much we might want to charge for it, what are the most popular helmets, stuff like that. So I happened to walk into the right dealership at the right time. I spoke to Ian. I, I think I initially asked to speak to his manager so I don't bug him so he can focus on selling bikes. But he was like, okay, I think I get it. Like, let's let's meet up after work, you know? So I met up with him and it turns out he's a world-class industrial designer kind of in between jobs. He just moved from Europe back to the United States and he was just trying to kind of establish his, um, you know, next big career move. So I totally lucked out with Ian and he's now one of my really good friends and my co-founder. So if you think Break Free looks cool, you know, if you think our logo looks cool, that's all Ian, you know? So he did all of that. Um, Henry, Henry reached out to me. He, I've known Henry through a friend of mine. Um, he, they were both in an engineering program at San Jose State. Um, they were doing a senior project together. They're working on some kind of uh, bike that had these like cool spheres that it was floating on. So the bike could move like any direction, rotate around, do all this cool stuff. I think I'm not sure if that idea ever came about. I think it saw a car with a similar thing, but anyway, he was doing that project and I've met him um, working uh, with my friend on that. And so I thought that was pretty cool. And then when he saw our Indiegogo campaign, I think it was around May, he reached out to me and um, just wanted to meet up for lunch and just to see how we're doing, wanted to, you know, just catch up and tell me that he really likes break free. And, you know, I, to be honest, I really didn't think that he would join the team because I kind of just spilled the beans about all the, you know, potential issues that we were having. The fact that we didn't have a, a dedicated mechanical engineer on the team and that we were looking at all these different options. And at the end of it all, he was just like, you know what, I'd be really interested in joining the team. You know, let's, let's talk further. So um, <laughs> it went from there. Um, my other co-founder who we haven't mentioned yet, he was the person that developed the algorithm for the technology behind how the break free works completely wirelessly. Um, him, I also found totally by luck. I just, you know, there was some kind of a social media or no. Um, it was like, it was kind of like a Facebook, but only for like co-founders or for people that are like, I'm a business person looking for an engineer or an engineer looking for an idea or that kind of thing. And then I just by luck sent out an email to a few people and he happened to respond and it worked out great. So yeah, it was a lot of just persisting and just kind of going at various angles and trying things until something eventually clicks. There's a lot of serendipitous stuff that happens, but I feel like you generate that luck for yourself by working really hard. That's very true. Yeah. It's not just, it's persistence, like you said, is also very important, right? Yeah. Persistence and, and opportunity. 
yeah. and making taking every opportunity you get and leveraging it so yeah absolutely so there there is a question from from summer which is um, intrigues me as well that did robert or mark going back to uh, on shark tank did they give you any helpful feedback or suggestions on their decision or um, are sure. you allowed to share that if you're not allowed to share that that's fine so, you mean like after the show or during yeah, the pitch? After or? The show. Did they tell you why they decided not to move forward? Did they give you any helpful feedback or, you know? Um, no. Talk? So, oh. yeah, the short of it is no. Um, we only spoke to Mark and Robert on the pitch. And then the rest of the time we were talking only to their business analysts. So it's kind mm -hmm. of, yeah, it wasn't. And does Shark Tank pay for your travel and hotel and so on or? <laughs> um yeah they paid they paid for the flight out there um for me and henry and then for the flight back and they also had a hotel for us as well right um and then there are some questions about how do you start but there are some um so maybe i should ask you that uh and if M matthew wants to jump in he could but the first question that was posted by Natasha is when you think of a business idea, how do you evaluate whether it's worth pursuing? So in this context, how did you decide to pursue, um, you know, break free? Oh man. If you can remember. Yeah, no, definitely. There's just a lot to say there for sure. I mean, there's just, a, you know, you have to look at so many different angles, you know, the, um, feasibility of the idea who actually might want something like that you want to seek out the most critical fee you know feedback you don't want people to just say yeah that's a fantastic idea you should go for it because you're going to dedicate a lot of time and a lot of effort to that idea so you know um a hundred thousand dollar idea takes almost the same amount of effort as 10 million dollar idea you know so you know just really pick something that you really think is um something that's really needed Mm -hmm. um, you could spend a lot of time kind of going down the wrong mm -hmm. route for sure. So, um, mm -hmm. I think Dave was the one that told me that you should really go out and talk to like 50 different people. And when you talk to that many people, you usually hear, you know, once you start hearing the same questions over and over again, once you start getting kind of very similar feedback, um, at that point, you kind of already kind of have a good gauge of, um, how the public might respond. I mean, that's, I mean, not a rule of thumb, but you should at least, you know, you should talk to as many people as you can and don't only focus on people that are potential customers, but also potentially like industry folks go to, go to a trade show. I would say go to a trade show and talk to as many people as you can there as well. Mm -hmm. We talk to helmet manufacturers. We talk to retailers. We talk to distributors. You have to understand how that whole thing works because if your margins don't work, you can't really sell your product at scale. And that's one of those things that, um, was something that Dave was warning us about something I didn't completely fully wrap my head around at first, but now, you know, our, our margins are okay, but they're, they could have been a lot better and we could have been growing a lot faster. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things to consider, especially as well as like legal and looking into patent research to see if anybody's already done something similar. If you're able to do something unique, something that you can protect and put your, uh, claim on because you know if it's something that's easily copied it's going to get copied really quickly right so we have five minutes and lots of questions but yeah this is uh, great guys thank you uh, yeah anu so, can i just jump in and, and add one more thing to that mm -hmm. please yeah. give me a break man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, i'm yeah, gonna no take worries, a little no 
you know, for any of the students tuning in, watching this right now, or anybody tuning in watching this, if you have a, if you have an idea for a company you want to start, because this is the ideas uh, uh, forum here, really be uh, to echo Alex's sentiments. Uh, really be passionate about the idea. Obviously, Alex is a lifelong motorcycle rider. This is a product that not only personally benefits him, could maybe even save his life. I would argue, uh, very easily. And clearly he's so passionate about it that he's been willing to put himself through all these paces. I mean, he went eight hours just for a one minute, you know, in a room with somebody to have a chance to even go on shark tank. Um, but what's really evident to me is just Alex's dedication to this product, to his company, to his team. He's willing to do all these things for it. Um, and that to me is really what is so beautiful about being an entrepreneur, right? It's not, uh, many of us who set about to start a business, start a company are not going to end up like Mark Zuckerberg or whatever, uh, Elon Musk. Okay. That's, that is like the 0.0001% of people will end up, that will be their story. Okay. But for everybody else, you can still find intrinsic happiness and success. You just have to articulate what that happiness and success is going to look like for you on your own journey. And it really does boil down to you and your own journey. I've been the founder and CEO of this business, AdSemble, for over 11 years now. That is much, much longer than most people when they have an idea for a business. They don't conceive of themselves maybe being in that same business for that long of time. I've chosen to do it because I truly love the company. I love what we do. I love the clients that we help and the business that I'm in. And so for me, it is more of a lifelong uh, journey and, and all these things along the way. And, you know, I think Alex would, would echo that same thing is that uh, really first and foremost, pick something that you are so passionate about that you would be willing to stick with it for over 10 years of your life or longer, you know, if necessary, right. Until the right door opens, the right opportunity opens uh, because that's what will make the days that really suck. That is what will help you get through those days. <laughs> Being so passionate about it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. hundred percent. So, um, yeah, well, I wanted to end with, well, there were a couple of questions. One is, you know, if you, uh, what are the main challenges you faced? And, um, you know, is it, uh, what if, is this going to be a one trick pony? How do you avoid doing that? What are your future plans if you have large competitors? And finally, the advice you share with, with the students here. And I think you touched on the, both of you touched on the advice. So if you can, we have like a minute to wrap up. So any final words? on any of those questions or she gave you three to choose from brother man yeah like i'm like which one do i go for because i could <laughs> i mean advice just final advice i think that's that's what we have time for now i mean just exactly what matthew was saying you know just be passionate about what it is that you're doing because there's going to be lots of challenges there's not going to be one big hurdle that you're going to overcome it just it just keeps, you just keep leveling up, you know, the challenges continue to grow as your business grows. You know, for me, like I thought that launching a crowdfunding campaign was going to be the hardest thing. And looking back now, that was not that hard mm -hmm. in comparison to the next thing and the next thing, you know, um, it's a huge, long, long journey where you get to learn so much, but you know, you have to want to do that. You know, if you're in it for the money, that's not really 
the main thing why you should be doing it. You know, you should be, you should love what you're doing. You should be passionate mm-hmm. about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, as Matthew said, you know, the, the highs are really high as an entrepreneur, but the lows are very low. Yeah. I've had to go through a lot of different uh, low points. One of them being in February when I found out that we're not going to have this deal that we thought we had in our pocket, you know? Um, so things like that happen and you have to just continue mm-hmm. to persevere, get up and continue to move forward, regardless of what wall mm-hmm. is in front of you. You know, you, you have to believe in yourself and continue to charge ahead and look for solutions and learn. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. That's, you know, so passion, like you said, passion and persistence, and you don't have the pa- persistence unless you are really passionate. Mm-hmm. And so uh, wish you the very best of luck, Alex. And of course, the same to you, Matthew and Gino. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I think it's been wonderful. The students have asked lots of questions and not just students. We have a number of colleagues here as well and, uh, you know, and guests and and alumni. And so we've all really enjoyed it. I loved it. And as you can see, there are lots of thank yous there. And shout out, shout out, Professor Basu. She's actually the, the real magician behind the scenes that pulled this whole thing together because we were oh, going to do the well, podcast with Alex ups. and she got in touch with me and said, hey, why don't we do the podcast and turn it into a webinar? All my students can. So Professor Basu, shout out to you. You are the real genius behind all this. Uh, oh, that is so Thank kind. you for the opportunity. Yes, thank you. You guys did a thank great you. job, way better than I would. So that's that's really good. <laughs> And but then since you both participated in the business plan competition, and that's where much of this began, according to me, I want to just share here, I've shared the link to maybe it is getting lost here, but there is a link to the uh, a bitly link to the event that we are having an info session that we are having, in fact, next, um, uh, I mean, this Friday, upcoming Friday. We are having a, let me see if I can show it. Can you see it? Here? Oh, yeah, see, yeah, that looks yeah. good. So great. So this is the uh, session that we are having. You're all about those QR codes, huh, yeah. Professor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not me. <laughs> That's one of the, one of our Ideas Club students, Varenia, who makes these cool. Shout outs to all the students as well, yeah. by the way. Big ups, that's JSU. Yeah, yes. get on this business plan. Alex and I are each former winners. Uh, it is a great, great thing that the university puts on for you guys who have a business idea and, uh, that money is real and it comes in handy mm. and it's a fun competition. I've actually competed in myself. There you mm-hmm. go. There mm-hmm. it is. Absolutely do it hundred percent. And it's 10,000, 5,000 and $2,500 are the prizes. So thank you all very much. And thank you so much to Gino, Matthew and Alex. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. So great to do this for you guys. Take care. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. you. Bye. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Happy St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Not wearing any green. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I did. But I I sent my kids to school today with nothing green. I felt like a failure.
Wow, what an incredible experience for Alex. One, I'm sure he will never forget for the rest of his life. Uh, and that, uh, by the way, that how many sales he made the night that that thing aired? Incredible. And and uh, offline, I asked him. I said, every time that show airs in syndication, like when they replay it, do you see a spike in sales? He said, Yeah. Bet your ass we do. Uh, and so it's kind of like a perpetual thing now. Every time that episode airs, he could just be hanging out somewhere and look down at his phone, and boom, sales off the charts. And wow. So really cool, the Shark Tank effect, man. That's a real-life thing. It really happens, and what a great story. So before we wrap up today's show, uh, Gino, can you tell our listening audience if they enjoyed this program or can they find out more information about the Ad Hero Podcast? Absolutely. Let's get into it. Follow us online on social media at AdSymbol, and check out our sponsor, Sun Vision Display, on all their social media as well. On our YouTube page, give us a like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell to be notified about all future Ad Hero podcast premieres. And as always, don't forget to leave a comment or question below and let us know your thoughts. For inquiries and more information about outdoor advertising, visit our site, adsymbol.com. Find the Ad Hero podcast on all major podcast platforms. Thank you for tuning in to the Ad Hero Podcast. My name is Gino Giovanni. And I am Matthew Livieri. Sorry. Oh, do you want to say something? We're out. We're out. Want to advertise big and build massive brand authority at the same time? It's easier than you think. Open Display by AdSymbol lets you advertise on digital billboards nationwide. Just go to OpenDisplay.com for a free account to get started.